Hey folks, Andy Patton here, and a pair of Zags made three-year commitments to the Canadian national team heading into the 2024 Olympics in Paris, France. We are going to discuss who made the cut, who did not make the cut, and which other former Zags could be Olympians in 2024, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. I want to thank all of you who have continued to make Locked On Zags your first listen of the day as well as those of you who have checked the show out on YouTube. All right, we are getting right into it today. Kelly Olenek and Kevin Pangos, two Gonzaga legends, two members of the 2012-2013 team that was the first Gonzaga team to ever be ranked number one overall, something that has become commonplace in Mark Few's program over the last few years, but was obviously not a big part of the early stages of Gonzaga's rise into stardom. Anyway, Pangos and Olenek both committed to join Team Canada for the next three years ahead of the 2024 Paris Olympics. So this announcement came out on Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday morning, excuse me. Uh, 14 players have committed to join Team Canada. Basically what this means is that they're committed to be a part of the next couple of years of international tournaments, FIBA tournaments, uh, and then obviously prep for the actual Olympics in 2024. Canada was disappointed in their performance last year. They had a pretty good team, and unfortunately, maybe because the pieces didn't quite fit together, maybe because there was some other players they could have had on the roster who opted not to participate. There's kind of a variety of different reasons, but they ultimately did not do as well as they had hoped that they would do. Uh, trying to rectify that this year, Canada wants to be a big powerhouse in the basketball playing landscape. They've had some very, very talented players come through. Gonzaga fans know that more than many other colleges as they have had a huge chunk of those successful players over the last decade or so. A couple players who are joining Olenek and Pangos on this team that will uh, be names familiar to most, uh, R.J. Barrett out of Duke, uh, Shai Gilgis-Alexander for the Oklahoma City Thunder, Dylan Brooks, the Oregon alumni who is at the Memphis Grizzlies, Jamal Murray for the Denver Nuggets, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Uh, there's a bunch more. Those are just kind of a few of the headliners. Uh, but the notable thing is, while Kelly Olenek and Kevin Pangos are phenomenal representatives of Gonzaga, uh, obviously Kelly, you know, entering his 10th NBA season next year, a guy who's uh, built an incredibly long and successful NBA career after being the 13th overall pick in the 2013 NBA draft. Kevin Pangos, a guy who uh, did not make the NBA out of college, unfortunately went overseas and played about six years of very good basketball overseas uh, in Russia, the Canary Islands, various other places, dealt with some injuries, and then made the NBA last year, which is an incredibly cool accomplishment. I think one of the more understated stories of last year. It got some press when it first happened, and then he never really carved out a role when he did get opportunities to play. He didn't play particularly well, unfortunately, uh, and Cleveland was in a position to compete much more than they thought that they would be. And by the time that they lost 
uh, Ricky Rubio to injury. They really needed to find somebody to replace him who could actually come in and give them minutes. Had they been a floundering team, they might have been more willing to roll with Kevin and help develop him a little bit. But because they were in the position to hunt for a playoff spot and because they didn't want to lose any ground in the Eastern Conference, uh, they ultimately swung some moves to get some depth in the point guard room, which didn't leave a lot of room for Kevin Pangos. Pangos eventually was cut. After playing a few games in the G League, uh, he signed with a new a new deal in Russia right as Russia began to invade Ukraine. Uh, that deal was nullified, and Kevin did not end up playing in Russia. Uh, he has now signed a new deal over in Spain and will play there starting next season. Uh, so both of those guys are going to represent Canada in some capacity over the next couple of years. I suspect that Kelly will probably contribute in years where he has a comfortable contract. Uh, he's got a three-year deal with the Detroit Pistons. He did not play a ton last year because of injury, so I think it's more likely that he will participate in stuff this summer just to get his legs underneath him. But I could see situations where if he's getting traded to a new team or going to be a free agent or just played a really long year deep into the playoffs where he may not contribute all that much for Team Canada. Kevin, it's very hard to say. It kind of depends how his European leagues go. Obviously, it depends on his health. But these three-year commitments, I had to do some some digging here, and I still don't know if I fully understand it. Perhaps anybody listening who maybe has a better grasp of this could explain it. But these guys are not committed to every single event, certainly. That would be a, a loop. Nobody would commit to that, to every single international event for basketball over the next three years. But they're more or less committed to participating when they can and to being there for the Olympics uh, if they're chosen and obviously healthy and available and all of that stuff. So we will see how that shakes out. I'm excited for Kevin. I'm excited for Kelly, both guys who are, are more than deserving to represent their country on a national stage. A lot of people were paying attention to the players, specifically the Gonzaga alumni who were not selected. Gonzaga obviously has a rich history of Canadian talent through their program, so there are plenty of players who could have made the cut here for Team Canada. Uh, Three very notable ones that came up in conversation a lot on Twitter were Brandon Clark, Kyle Wilcher, and Andrew Nempard, all three Canadian alumni who could have represented Team Canada. My suspicions here, and to be clear, I don't have a ton of sources on this, I, it would be shocking if they did not ask Brandon Clark, especially considering uh, the, the recent run that he had in the playoffs for Memphis. Uh, he's better than a huge chunk of players who are on this roster. Uh, my suspicion is that he was asked, he was approached, and for whatever reason he passed, whether it's because he just had a very, very long season, he was playing some of his best basketball and his most minutes towards the very end of the year in the playoffs, and it may not be particularly fruitful for him to go out and play more this summer. So maybe he will be more involved in Team Canada stuff as the Olympics draw a little bit closer. Uh, He is not currently a free agent the way I understand it. He's under contract for one more year, but I believe he could become a restricted free agent. So there is some possibility of some player movement there. So maybe he's just trying to play it safe and not risk going out and getting injured, which could potentially cost him some money down the line. Again, this is all a theory, but it would be very surprising to me if Team Canada just elected not to invite Brandon Clark, particularly because some of their issues last year leading into the Olympics and part of the reason they did not go as far as they wanted to go was because of physicality and depth on the front court. So not inviting one of their few very good NBA players out of Canada would be surprising. Chris Boucher, who's also an Oregon alumni and played for the Toronto Raptors last year, was also not included. He's entering free agency. So again, I suspect that he uh, likely chose not to commit to this 
at this point. Uh, Andrew Dempard, I don't know the situation there. I remember he was kind of right on the cut of being on their roster last year, so perhaps he just didn't quite do enough to get an invitation this year. Or again, perhaps he did and he decided, hey, I don't know where I'm going to play next year right now. I'm so focused on performing well at the Combine, performing well in these team workouts, trying to boost my draft stock as high as I possibly can, uh, and then focusing on whatever team drafts me or signs me and you know, make, making an NBA future out of what I want to do. And that should, to be clear, should absolutely be his focus. That makes a ton of sense. Representing your country is an extraordinary cool, extraordinarily cool thing, but the Olympics are over two years away at this point, so it makes sense for him to focus on what he's doing right now, get the best draft spot that he possibly can, do the best work this summer to carve out a legitimate role as a rookie in year one, and then maybe worry about the Team Canada stuff after that. And then finally, Kyle Wilcher, I do not know if Wilcher was offered a spot on this team or if he was given the opportunity to sign up for one of these commitments or not. His season very recently ended as well. He was playing overseas, won himself a championship over there. Shout out to him in the Spanish League. Uh, had another great season. Has had a very successful European career. Would be a phenomenal representative for Team Canada. His outside shooting, his size, uh, his ability to stretch the floor would be really, really nice for them. Again, I don't know if he was invited. I don't know uh, if he will continue to participate. One of the notes that I saw about this was that just because you're not in this initial 14 does not mean that they will not ask you to participate at points uh, later in the year. Some of these guys will not participate in specific events. Obviously, injuries could occur over the next couple of years as well. So just because Nemhard, Wilcher, and Brandon Clark are not involved in the initial 14 players to make this three-year commitment does not mean that they will not be involved in Team Canada stuff over the next couple of years. All right, before we move on to the next segment, I want to talk a little bit about some other potential Olympic possibilities. This is one of the coolest things that has happened at Gonzaga over the last few years is their ability to recruit internationally has always been so strong. And yes, Tommy Lloyd had a big part of that, and we will see if that international recruiting continues to be a big part of Gonzaga's just overall development package or not. They haven't been doing it as much lately, even before Tommy left. But right now they're in a position where they have multiple players who could contribute to multiple different countries in the Olympics in 2024. And I just think that's really, really cool. We covered all of the Canadians already. Kelly Olenek, Kevin Pangos, Kyle Wilcher, Brandon Clark, Andrew Nempart. All those guys have the possibility to be on that Olympic roster when the Olympics begin in 2024. Uh, Rui Hachimura will almost certainly represent Japan again at the Olympics. That was a very, very cool moment for him last time uh, to be the flag bearer for Japan at the Olympics that were held in Japan, an extremely cool event. It unfortunately didn't go particularly well for Japan on the basketball court and off the basketball court. It, it led to some mental health issues for Rui that uh, we haven't fully learned all the details about and probably never will, and that is okay. But we do know that the pressure that was on him to perform and to be the kind of face of Japan basketball was was a lot for him to handle, and I can understand why why that would be the case. But uh, if he wants to participate again next year, I'm quite certain that the uh, the Japanese basketball uh, conglomerate will have him back because of his skill and talent on the court. Uh, Philip Petrusev very likely to represent Serbia again. We're going to talk about him a little bit more later. In this episode, DeMontis Sabonis, of course, for Lithuania, one of the greatest Lithuanian basketball players of all time, certainly uh, the greatest right now. So he will very likely be the focal point of the Lithuanian national basketball team heading into the Olympics as well. 
After that, I'm not sure how many more representatives there's going to be. Uh, obviously, the United States, it's a very, very competitive group to, to be a part of. Uh, Jalen Suggs and Chet Holmgren are probably the most notable players, but will either of them be ready to con- contribute to the Olympic team in the next two years? Probably not, would be my guess. And then you look at some of the other veteran guys or, or you know younger guys who are in the NBA, guys like Corey Kispert, Zach Collins, so on and so forth. I would be pretty surprised if any of those players ended up, ended up representing their country uh, in, in uh, an Olympic setting in the next couple of years. All right, second segment coming up. We're going to actually start looking at some Zags who are playing overseas in Europe. We kind of talk about these guys periodically, but I want to dedicate some time to really look now that most of the European leagues have finished up to look at how some of these guys done have done uh, in their professional career. We're going to talk about four guys here coming up in the second segment. But before we get there, let's talk about Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Plus, Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. I just had my 13-year-old car serviced recently, and I can tell you having one place to find all the parts I need makes things infinitely easier. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, segment two. Still, Andy Patton, still Locked On Zags. And I still want to thank you all who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, so we're continuing our off-season glimpse into the Zags playing professionally overseas. Uh, last week, we talked about Josh Perkins, who signed a new deal in Puerto Rico. We talked about Gino Crandall, who is now a back-to-back MVP in the British Basketball League for Lancaster. We talked about Kyle Wilcher and the championship that he won in the Spanish League. Now I'm going to focus on eight more players over the next two segments that played overseas in Europe. This is not a full comprehensive list of everybody I've done in the past where I've just ran through every Zag playing professional basketball throughout one single podcast episode. The problem with that is the entire episode just ends up me ends up with me basically just reading stats out loud to you guys. That's not great content. I don't want to continue to do that. I'm going to spread these out to do four or five players per segment so we can actually talk a little bit more about each of them. So today we're going to start out talking about Jeremy Jones. Jeremy Jones has been in the news in Gonzaga kind of Gonzaga news recently for a couple of reasons. Uh, Number one, his brother opened a vintage clothing store in Spokane. For those of you who missed this story, I know KREM covered it. I know the Spokesman Review covered it. So you can find articles discussing this event. Uh, The store is called 4AM. It's again, it's a vintage clothing store in Spokane. Jeremy Jones's brother opened it. The opening was 
a huge success. Anton Watson was there. Silas Melson was there. Eric McClellan was there. Zakir Rice, Laura Stockton, Joe Few, tons of former Zags, current Zags were in attendance to the store. It looks like a really, really cool place. If you live in Spokane, you want to hang out with some Zags, you want to see some cool vintage sports gear, including some vintage Zags gear, then check out 4AM. Jones also played last year with the Fighting Eagles in Japan's top league. He played 50 games in Japan last year. He averaged 12.9 points, 6.4 rebounds, and 2 assists per game. His team went 42-8 and in those 50 games that he participated in. So plenty of success for Jeremy Jones on the basketball court. He did tweet that he was promoted to B1. This was the second league in Japan that he played all these games in. I could not find any stats for him at the B1 level, this tweet came out very recently. It's possible that those games uh, still are to be played. It's possible that he got promoted and just never actually made it into a game. I'm not sure the situation there, but I want to give him a shout out for a very successful season overseas for a promotion, whether it turned into actual minutes on the court or not. And of course, a shout out to his brother for starting this very, very cool company in Spokane. A couple other guys to get through before we move on to the third segment. Philip Petrusev. Uh, was the 50th overall pick by the Philadelphia 76ers in the 2021 NBA draft. They opted to leave him overseas in Europe and let him develop there before potentially bringing him back over. So he played last year with Anadolu Efes in the Turkish League. He averaged 15.2 points, 6.2 rebounds, and one assist in just 13 games. For the Turkish League in those 13 games, they went 11-2. and So plenty of success for Petrusev, although I will admit that his coach, Ergen Adaman, did not seem to think so. There's a very recent quote from Coach Adaman talking about their offseason and some of the moves that this Turkish team is going to make. Regarding Philip Petrusev, the coach said... Quote, his contribution did not meet our expectations this season, and we may replace him with another player. Wow. That is a brutally honest quote. I can have such a hard time imagining an NBA coach ever saying something like that. And um, We've seen some NBA coaches say some kind of mean things, but this is just so intentionally direct. He did not meet our expectations. We're probably going to replace him. That is that is really brutal. I'm laughing because it's a funny quote. I feel bad for Philip. I don't think 15 and 6 is that bad. Obviously, he only played 13 games, so there was potentially an injury or a situation there that uh, may have contributed to some of the coach's disdain towards Petrusev. I don't know what this means for his future. Uh, certainly, if the coach is disappointed in his performance, it stands to reason that the 76ers may not be super thrilled with his performance either. I don't think it was expected that he would come over and play in the NBA starting next season, but for now, I'm not entirely sure where he is going to end up going forward. Moving on, we're going to talk about Nigel Williams-Goss. Nigel Williams-Goss was the starting point guard for Real Madrid this past season, one of the very, very top basketball teams on the planet that is not in the NBA. Shout out to Nigel Williams-Goss for being the starting point guard for one of the best non-NBA teams on the planet. That is a tremendous accomplishment for him, but not a surprising one for those of us who watched him during his Gonzaga career. He averaged 7.5 points, just about 2 rebounds and 2 assists in 27 games for Real Madrid this past year. In those 27 games, the team went 21-6. and They made it all the way to the championship, but unfortunately about a minute 
minute into the semifinal game, Nigel Williams-Goss left the game with a very intense-looking ankle injury. I have not seen an this happened very recently. I have not seen an official report as to what the length of his absence will be, but it's very possible that this is an absence that will cost him good chunk of next season as well. Extremely unfortunate for Williams-Goss to be on the league's top stage, to be at the point where he was going to compete for a championship and not be able to get on the floor. So best wishes to Nigel Williams-Goss as he recovers from this injury and hopefully he can get back to that top-tier level of basketball performer in due time. Finally, before we move on to segment three, wanted to talk a little bit about Admon Gilder. Admon Gilder did not play during the 2020-2021 season. I was not sure if he was going to continue to pursue a professional basketball career or not. However, he did play this past year. He spent part of the season in Finland in the top Finnish league, and he spent the rest of the season in Poland in their top league as well. He was awesome. He was absolutely awesome playing professional ball. He played seven games in Finland with Lati. He averaged 19.6 points, five and a half rebounds, and 1.7 assists per game. When you put up 20 and five at any level, it's pretty likely that you're going to be attractive to other teams. And that was the case again, seven games in Finland before he spent the rest of the season with Stargard in the Polish League. There he still averaged incredible numbers, 18.6 points, 5.4 rebounds once again, and 2.7 assists in 19 games. Uh, the team went 6-13 and 13 during those 19 games, so they were not particularly successful on the basketball court, but Admon had himself a very, very successful 26 games overseas this past year, split between Finland and Poland, and will very likely continue to have plenty of success overseas should he stay out there. All right, we're going to come back in the third segment. We're going to look at even more Zags playing overseas in Europe. We're going to talk about one of Gonzaga's biggest icons coming back from a major injury. We're going to talk about another player who is still out there playing ball, even though he is very close to 40 years old. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about Bet Online. The 2022 NCAA tournament is in the books with a win secured by Bill Self and the Jayhawks of Kansas. While the Zags unfortunately fell short of the game's pinnacle week, that does not mean fans cannot remain in on the action. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best option for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, segment three. Still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags, and we're still talking about professional Zags playing overseas or playing outside of the United States, I should say. Some of them are playing here on the North American coast, just not playing uh, in, the Amer- in the United States. So we got four more guys we're going to talk about today. We'll have more episodes coming in the later later this month or later into June or July covering some of these guys again. We got a lot of Zags to talk about playing overseas. I don't want to cram them all into one episode, so we'll split them up as we kind of go through the offseason today. Uh, four more guys to talk about. A few older gentlemen, guys that, play, that played a little bit uh, long, a little bit longer ago than some of the other guys we talked 
talked about. We'll lead things off with Shemek Karnowski, a fan favorite, an absolute icon, one of the winningest players in bas- college basketball history. And he's back. He's back on the court. Shem had not played game action since the 2018-2019 season with his hometown team, Turun, in in Poland. Excuse me. He has been rehabbing from a serious knee injury, and he's missed the last couple of seasons. I thought his career was done. I thought, to be honest, that he was... I wasn't sure he was even intending to come back after all the rehab I follow him on Instagram. You've seen a lot of videos of him working out, of him trying to get healthy again, uh, but I wasn't sure that he was going to make it back onto the court, but he did. He played five games with Tarun this past season. Shout out to him for being to make it onto the court. The numbers are not staggering. He averaged 5.8 points and three rebounds for that team, but again... For a guy his size to go through another very serious injury, you of course all remember the back injury he suffered that caused him to miss basically an entire season at Gonzaga. He came back from that and led this team all the way to a national championship game. So for him to respond uh, to a serious knee injury later in his career and still make it back and play professional basketball is a tremendous accomplishment. I just want to give a huge shout out to Shem, one of my all-time favorite Zags, one of many of your all-time favorite Zags. So it's a huge accomplishment for him to get back on the court. Next up is Elias Harris, another fan favorite, another guy that frequently is discussed among people's favorite Zags of all time. Harris spent eight, has spent eight years, excuse me, spent eight years in the German League uh, right after he left Gonzaga. He spent the 2020-2021 season in the Spanish League, and he spent this past season in Japan, his first year in the top level of the Japanese League. He was with San and Neo Phoenix. They played 44 games. They went 10-34, and 34, so not a very successful season for the squad. But Elias Harris was not part of the problem. He averaged 17 points, 7 points, 6.6 rebounds, and 2.4 assists for Neo Phoenix this past year. He was mostly a role player in Germany. Uh, You look up his numbers there. He played, again, eight seasons in Germany, many of them with the same team. But he was averaging like 6, 7 points, 3.5 rebounds per game. He was coming off the bench most of the time. Still a very great career for him over in Germany, but it's kind of fun to see him get the opportunity to be a featured player. Yes, the Japanese league is not quite as good as the German league. And yes, this team, obviously, going 10-34 and is not among the top-tier teams in that league. But for him to go out there and average nearly 18 per night is really fun. I looked at the last couple of box scores for them, and I think in their second-to-last game, he had 28 points and 7 rebounds. And that just sounds so much like the Elias Harris I remember watching for all four years that I was at Gonzaga. So it's cool to see him still having success uh, at age 32. Two more guys, two older guys that we want to talk about here. Micah Downs. You all remember Micah Downs. It has been a long time since he was a Zag, but he is still out there playing professional basketball. Shout out to the guys who went to Gonzaga before I did who are still playing pro ball. It makes me not feel quite as old. He has been in Portugal since 2018. He spent 21 games with Sporting CP last season in the top level of the Portuguese league. He averaged just under nine points per game, three rebounds, and two assists. The team went 15-6 and six in those 21 games that he was on the floor. Downs has had an incredibly successful professional career. He has averaged pretty much 10 or more points every single season that he has been overseas. Want to just give a really nice shout-out to him, a, a guy who people thought had some NBA potential at a time when there weren't a lot of Zags who were displaying NBA potential. He never quite made it into the league, but uh, obviously as a guy who's, who's averaged double-digit points for the last 10 years overseas, it's clear that he probably could have been an NBA player had had the opportunity arisen for him. 
And finally, to close out the show, again, we're kind of sticking with the theme of fan favorites. This guy has been an icon for years and years, despite not playing a huge role at Gonzaga. That is, of course, Ira Brown. Ira Brown is in his eighth consecutive season playing at the top level of the Japanese league. His third straight year with Osaka, that is the team he has been with for the last couple of seasons. He averaged 12 points and seven rebounds and three assists last year in 57 games for Osaka. 12 and seven. Those are really, really good numbers uh, in the Japanese league. The team went 21 and 36, so not a particularly successful year for Osaka. It's worth pointing out, Ira Brown is 38. He is 38 years old, and he is averaging 12 and 7 at a top-tier international league. That is just a tremendous accomplishment. We've been talking a lot on this podcast about these guys who are a little bit older, who are still balling out overseas, and I think that that's incredible, and I think that it's super cool and fun and interesting to keep track of these guys, but I will continue to be blown away every single time I look up Ira Brown's numbers to see how successful his entire body of work for his career has been, but notably how good he continues to be even as he's pushing 40 years old. This man represented Japan in the Olympics. We've talked about Rui Hachimura and the role he played in Japanese basketball and the being the face of the Olympic team heading into the Olympics in 2020. But Ira Brown was there too. He represented them in the three-on-three basketball tournament. The first time that was an Olympic event, Ira Brown was representing the home country of Japan. Another very, very cool accomplishment for him, for Gonzaga, for the country of Japan, all of that. Uh, and I'm so excited that Ira Brown is still out there hooping as he approaches 40 years old. All right, that's going to do it for me today. Uh, we got a preview of the WCC tournament coming later this week. We also have an interview with another former Gonzaga basketball player. That is going to be a really, really fun interview, so make sure you check that one out right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get podcasts and available on YouTube as well. Finally, thank you again to those of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen every day. Make sure to go check out the Locked On NBA Big Board. Host Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board newsletter is joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin to give fans an in-depth look into the NBA draft, mock drafts, player ratings, and of course, big boards. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.